All right, on this episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Jen Cabbage joins me. Her Instagram handle is always a ponytail. And I think that you're going to enjoy this conversation because it's all about passion for hunting. And we go from zero to a hundred on this. It is a full cannonball into our community, into even just the active hunting. You're going to love Jen's perspective and her passion for it. So join us, listen in, tell us what your favorite parts are. And Jen, thank you again for this. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining me for another Her Wild Outdoors podcast. I am very excited to get to talk to Jen. And Jen, you are always a ponytail on Instagram. And I think the first time I saw it, I thought, isn't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's me. It's you. So I'm excited that you're talking to me today and that we're just able to sit down and have a conversation. And it's been a long time coming because... I think when I first reached out to you, it was kind of when COVID was in the middle of the shutdown, especially for you. And that was a tough scenario for you. And uh, I, man, I felt it for you when we were chit-chatting about it, just the stress of juggling it all. And I feel like you've kind of come out on the other side of it for the moment. And I'm so, so grateful for that. You're going to make me cry. I haven't even really talked about this to anybody. Um, It was tough. Yeah. I mean, my bed was down for over three months and I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I had all these bills. I had all these animals on the farm and um, I had a vacation house in South Carolina. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll just move to South Carolina and downsize. And when I can open, I'll figure it out. And honestly, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made, even though it was in such despair almost, you know, Um, I found a place that I really feel at home and I love and, um, but it was tough. It was really tough for sure. I can't imagine having to face those kind of decisions in that moment. And I think hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You can see where the difficult parts in our life lead to sometimes the better things coming to fruition. But in the middle of it, it feels like such a heavy load. It's suffocating. Yeah. Um, you know, funny story how it came about. You know, I decided to close the salon down five days before our governor shut it down. Um, just because of the stress of everything. And I said to myself, if I'm going to be locked down, because we didn't really know what lockdown meant, if I'm going to be locked down, I'm driving to the Eastern Shore of Maryland and I'm going fishing for my favorite fish mm-hmm. one last time. So I'm driving out to the Eastern Shore and I, I do it every weekend. It's about a three hour one way drive. And I was thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I said, I'm going to, I'm just going to moved to South Carolina to my vacation house. And I called my aunt and I said, does this sound like a crazy idea? And she said, honestly, it's probably the smartest thing you could do. Mm -hmm. So I went fishing all day and I got to hang out with my fishing buddies over there. And 
I drove three hours home. I packed up my truck and the next day I drove to South Carolina and I'm just, I'm crazy like that. I think about something and I know it's a good idea and I just do it. Well, I think, um, I think it's intuitive. I think that that kind of having that decision ahead of time is, is very intuitive and I'm grateful you had a place to go, right? And that you had yeah. the ability to make those choices, but Still, you know, you and I talking earlier, it was the beginning of spring. No, it's the beginning of summertime, I think, that you and I were talking. And even knowing the decision that you needed to make, it's not an easy one. Yeah, it yeah. was not easy. Man, yeah, well. But, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing. I read this book a couple years ago called The 10 Second Rule, and it changed my life. And I've always been pretty good at following my own heart, but that really explains why you need to follow your first instinct. Mm -hmm. And and it's a that's um they tell you that as a student, you know, in elementary school. I've got kids that are went through the process of learning about testing, and that's a whole nother subject, school testing and all of that. But they tell them your first answer is usually the better one. When you Mm -hmm. second guess, when you go, oh, maybe not, maybe I need to choose something else, it's usually when you make the mistake. Your first instinct is the better one to take, and then you don't regret, right? It's it's a a question of, ooh, I second-guessed myself. I shouldn't have second-guessed. I was right. I was right on the nose, and I should have stayed with it. And that's something that you can apply for your whole life. To to everything. Yeah. You know, to every single aspect of your life, for sure. Yeah. I think that we've got it ingrained in us. Sometimes it's deeper. (laughs) Sometimes it's harder to find for some people, and sometimes – stubbornness and um and I mean if we're being honest self-esteem and confidence in yourself that's where um that's where we derail right well and just the noise of life yeah you know yeah just just all of that noise it's Mm -hmm. hard it's hard to hear what you really want to do it's true well I'm glad that Mm -hmm. you did because I feel like you've had a lot going on just in the past five months Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, and it's funny because people are like, what's your next thing that you're going to do? Honestly, I have no idea, but it, something is going to come. Yeah. Yeah. People <laughs> ask does. that question all the time and I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm living in this moment because I planned for this moment a while back and I want to live in it. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us today and having this conversation. And I've always kind of wanted to hear your story and hear how this has come to, you know, to where it is today, because I feel like there aren't a whole lot of women who solo hunt. I think that you Uh can find them here and there. You know that I'm a solo hunter. And I think that when I was looking for other women who do that, it was a little bit few and far between. And you were one of the ones that stuck out to me because I feel like you're, um, you're like, I don't know your strength and your power. And it's kind of like, I don't really give a darn (laughs) what other people think. It's I'm just going to do it. Exactly. Like I just wanted to do it. Um, 
So I guess, do you want me to start from like how I got into just the outdoors in general? Yeah, because I feel like the outdoors jumps into our life sometimes earlier than hunting. So how, how did the outdoors impact your life in the beginning? Well, first of all, no one in my family is outdoorsy. (laughs) No one, like they look at me and they're like, where did you come from? Kind of thing. (laughs) Yes. Um, My, I'm really close with my aunt and she's like, please be careful. This is so scary. And when she knows I'm out hunting in the middle of the night, in the middle of, you know, thousands and thousands of acres, she always sends me a Snapchat. Are you home? Okay. Uh But, um, so no one in my family is outdoorsy, but I've always been that kid that wanted to go rush. Um, you know, when I woke up, rush to the woods and play in the Creek and collect crayfish and play with tadpoles and climb trees. And, um, it started, I really wanted to ride horses. And so I started collecting money from a tin can mm-hmm. and my grandmother said, what are you collecting money for? And I said, I'm going to buy a horse. And they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and she said, you know, Jenny, um, horses are a lot of money and you know, you're, I just don't want you to get upset, but I don't think you're going to get a horse. Mm. And, you know, fast forward, 21 year, you know, when I was 21, I bought a horse and I, last year I had 14 horses. So Mm -hmm. like I made it happen. Even as like five years old, I started collecting money. So that was like my first, like I started riding. I took riding lessons when I was was five or six. Um, I loved fishing, but nobody in my family knew how to teach me how to fish. You know, Mm -hmm. they bought me to Walmart or whatever bought me a fishing pole and like the whole little package, but I didn't catch fish. I didn't know what I was doing, but I loved it. Um, and my aunt married someone who did love to fish. So, um, my uncle John, he started taking me to the rivers and we would wade in the middle of the river and, and bass fish. And, and he just knew how much I loved it. So I'm really thankful that he was put in my life to kind of help me, um, develop that skill, Oh yeah, you know? Um, then with riding, I, I rode in rings and did shows and stuff. And finally I just got bored of it and I started to fox hunt. And so that was really my first, I guess, um, little taste of hunting. Uh Now that I'm a hunter, um, I don't consider that true hunting. I'm more so watching someone else hunt. And I, but I get to watch the hounds work. I get to ride my horse in the countryside. Um, and I think maybe that was what sparked my interest in hunting. Um, just being more wanting to know more about actual hunting for food or hunting for sport or whatever you hunt for, whatever you're watching. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, I think that being a spectator of whatever hunting community you are in is that introduction. It doesn't necessarily matter if you are the hunter. Whatever got you interested in it, whatever sparked that passion for getting more knowledge about it or actually picking up a, a weapon to use in order to harvest, I think that, whatever it is, is an introduction. We don't just go out and hunt. <laughs> it, it, right. it, there always has to be something that instigates that fire inside of you. So um, fox and, hunting, and though, is beautiful. It's absolutely oh, a beautiful tradition. 
it, it's a beautiful tradition. It's um, definitely be starting to um, get lost because mm-hmm. of uh, landowners and and just all the rules and laws that are starting to to pop up. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that normally they really never get the fox or the coyote, whatever they're chasing. They usually never they never catch it. So it's really, you know, now more so of just a tradition and, and, you know, fellowship of being with your other riders and riding your horse. And, um, but you know, when I started fox hunting at that time, I had moved to the country, um, where my horses were and I had guns and I would shoot guns on the weekends. And it's funny, I just never thought about using my guns to harvest an animal until I really like got in fox hunting Mm. um so I do yeah I guess fox hunting probably was my introduction to hunting you know and I know drug (laughs) yeah exactly and I never really thought of it that way Mm -hmm. um but yeah that had to be it for sure wow well then you went from fox hunting to what what was your first uh when you I went straight to wild boars oh my goodness (laughs) Girl, I am like, I don't know where my mind takes me sometimes. You cannonballed. <laughs> yes. I'm just, when I dive in, I go head first. I yes. don't know if there's a rock there or what, but I just figure it out as I go. But um, <laughs> it was funny. I was sitting on the couch um, and I've only been hunting for a year. So a year um, in last October was when I went on my first hunt. Um, in September, I was sitting on my sofa and I was like, you know, I, I usually go somewhere and take pictures in the fall. Like, where do I want to go for my fall vacation? And I was like, you know, I kind of went everywhere and took all the landscape pictures. Like, I don't know really what I want to do. And I was drinking a cocktail, maybe a couple cocktails (laughs) by myself at my house. And I said to myself, you know, I'm going to go on a wild boar hunt. That sounds like a lot of fun. Right. I have no idea I have no idea, but it's part of, it just came out of nowhere. So the next day I called one of my guy friends who was a hunter and he's in the industry and he knows a lot of people. And I said, Hey dude, like, if you know anybody that is like a hog outfitter, let me know because I want to go on a hog hunt. And, you know, he's like, he, he pretty much blew me off and was like, okay, whatever. So two hours later, I booked a hog hunt without like, I don't wait. I just, when I want to do something, I want to do something. And I said, well, there's a place in South Carolina. I've got my house down there and I wasn't living down here yet at the time. This is pre right before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I booked a hog hunt and I put a picture of like the hog outfit or something on my story. And that guy called me back and he's like, dude, you just called me and asked me for advice and you already booked one. I said, you know, I don't wait, dude. I do not wait. Mm -mm. And he said, you know, you need a hunting license. I said, I don't need a hunting license. I'm going with like a group of, uh, uh, you know, a business. And he said, you better look into that. I'm pretty sure you need a hunting license. So I was so naive. I didn't even know I needed a hunting license. Yeah. This trip and it was in a couple of weeks. So I had two weeks to go get my hunting license. And this is September when everybody on earth is trying to get their hunting license. Yeah. So I had to drive three hours away to the mountains of Maryland to find the one open spot to take my um, hunter safety course. Mm -hmm. So 
take off of work. I got a hundred percent. I got the highest um, grade in the class. I got done first. Like these guys are like, this girl's into it. Like I was so excited about it. I got my little hunter safety card and I was, I was on my way to go hog hunting. <laughs> you know, the thing is, and they, people say it all the time. There's a difference. There's, there's a difference in men and women's like their mindset. So men will talk about something for a long time before they do it. Women think about it for a little bit, but once they've made their mind up, they want to do it now. It is done. The decision has been made. And I mean, that's kind of how it was with hunting for me. Hey, I'm seeing you do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. All this is going through my mind. Well, when I made my mind up, it was like, okay, Hunter safety was done within the week. I had my license paid for, like, and then I was up in a tree. And it was just like I was ready to do it, and I got it done. <laughs> there was no yeah. waiting. Yeah. No, we want to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so how was that boar hunt? Okay, so I get there, and I pull up to this place. And, I mean, it is in South Kakalaki. And I pull up. <laughs> And there is this lifted like truck. Now, not just like everyday lifted, like a monster truck sitting yeah. in the front yard of the rancher. And I was like, oh, and there's, meanwhile, there's vultures flying around, I guess, from <laughs> all the corners. And I looked at, I looked at myself in the mirror and I literally remember saying, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> So I walk, I think I was sitting, I must've sat in my car for a second. And this lady walks out, Darlene, she was like the house mom and she Mm -hmm. took care of the lodge. There's probably about 20 dudes staying there. And she's like, you must be Jen, welcome. And she was so welcoming. And I went into the lodge and you walk in and it's a big, you know, room where everybody eats and the kitchen and then like the little lounge area. And she said, you know, she said, we have a brand new camper out in the back. And I just think maybe, you know, would you be more comfortable out there? Cause I'm pretty sure there probably would be some kind of liability with me staying in these bunks with these random dudes. So kind of her. And I said to her, I said, honestly, I'll sleep in a tent outside. I don't care where I'm sleeping. Like, just tell me where I, you know, I can put my stuff down. So, you know, she got me all set up and she said, just be out here at two for your, you know, to get ready for your first hunt. Um, your evening hunt. So I'm in the camper and I'm thinking, and I'm like, you know what? I don't have anything. Like it's going to be nighttime. I probably need a light. Like I, <laughs> like I have no idea, but meanwhile, Amy, I'm not letting anybody know I have no idea. Of so I not. call my guy, you know, I, I am like a professional. So I call my guy friend. That was the one that told me I needed a flashlight. And I was like, Hey dude, like is there some things that I might need? And he's like, why well, I mean, like, you need a flashlight, you might need some binoculars, how about a knife? And I was like, yeah, I don't have any of that. So I had to drive like two hours away to the closest store. It was in the middle of nowhere. and got my little backpack, which I still use to this day, which yeah. is so cool. I got my little backpack. I got my knife. I got a, a light, you know, got all the things. So I get back and I you know, get set up with my, um, with the guy, you know, the guy that's going to lead me around and take me places. And I'm thinking he's going to sit in the stand with me. Right. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So 
I get in the car and there's like four other dudes in the car and he starts dropping people off and he pulls over the side of the road. And he's like, all right, you're just going to walk in about 200 feet or 200 yards and you'll see a stand in there. And I'm like, inside dying. I because like, you're going to be alone. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Like, I got to walk in there by myself in the woods and, and it's going to be dark and I don't know where I am. And um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I get out of the car and mind you, I have like everybody. So this place, they do hog hunts and they do deer hunts. And I figured while I was there, I was like, oh, screw it. I'll try to get a deer too. Yeah. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So he, everybody has like their real fancy, like wood rifles. And I show up with an AK, you know, a, a 300 blackout. Yes. So they're looking at me already like, where did this chick come from? <laughs> so I get out of the car with this 300 blackout standing on the side of the road. And if I was in Maryland, like you'd be locked up. Like that is not a thing. Like that doesn't happen up there. But welcome so to I'm South not- Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, man, I would get arrested if I was in Maryland right now. Yeah. So I walk in the woods like 20 feet. I call my friend. I was like, dude, they just dropped me off here. And he starts laughing at me. He's like, I told you they weren't going to sit with you. (laughs) So I was like, what do I do? And he said, just shut up and walk to the stand and be as quiet as you can. Yeah. So I walk up to the stand and I'm like, look up at it and it's high. It's Mm -hmm. in the air. There's steps you got to climb up, climb up. And I was like, don't I need to be attached to something? Like this seems so dangerous. And I take a picture of it and I send it to him and I said, don't I need like a strap to hold me on? And he laughed at me. He's like, that is like the Taj Mahal of stands. He's like, just scared. Shut up. It was a bunny stand. It was giant. Like now that I've been hunting, I'm like, it was probably 15 feet in the air. It was a giant bunny stand. So I was totally fine. Yeah. Um, So I'm sitting in there and I hear stuff moving, but you know, I don't know what deer sound like. I don't, I don't know a thing about deer hunting at all, but I'm deer hunting. So a spike comes out on the corn pile and I, but I couldn't shoot the spike. They had like certain rules I had to follow. So I had to to shoot an eight point and um, I hear something in the distance and it starts blowing at me and blowing at me, but I didn't know what that was. So, um, they're like, you know, I'm walking out in the pitch dark after it gets dark. And they're like, did you see anything? And I was like, oh, I saw a spike, but I didn't tell them about the deer blowing at me because I didn't want them to think I screwed it all up. Right. So we're at dinner that night and we're all sitting around the table. Like I said, it's like 20, 25 guys and we're having a great time. And like, nobody's really talking, you know, everyone's like, what'd you see? What'd you see? And I said, oh, I just saw a spike. I didn't see anything else. So after a couple of drinks and after dinner, this older guy says, he said, Hey Jen, um, how long have you been hunting? <laughs> and I literally put my hands in the air and I was like, you know, like out to my side. And I was like, well, today's my first day. And they all looked at me and started dying. They're like, no way. And I said, yeah, today was my first actual hunt. You're and like, thanks question- for bringing me along. <laughs> Well, and I, I think I didn't care because I had a cocktail in me. So I was like, a, I didn't feel self as self-conscious right. about my first day. Mm-hmm. And honestly, to this day, like a lot of them are still my buddies online. Like, I think they love seeing the journey oh, yeah. of, of where that kind of came, you know, where I came from. Yeah. And this one guy said, you're my new best friend. I have never met some chick just 
come up and say, I'm going to go hog hunting. You just show up by yourself. And I was like, well, I mean, if I wanted to do it, I had to show up by myself. Um, So I did not harvest a deer. Um, I was there for four days. I didn't harvest a deer, um, but I did um, harvest a hog with my gun. Um, And I also um, at night harvested a... um, uh, I guess it was a, a sow, a small sow, actually, with my knife. I stuck it with my knife and some ha- and some dogs. Uh, they use cur dogs down uh-huh. there. So that was actually my first, like, close contact with hunting with dogs. Um, Which, so- Jen, let me just interrupt you for, for a second. People don't hear this a lot, right? Yeah. This isn't something that... I mean, I get questioned a lot about just climbing up and deer hunting for the first time all by myself. But for people to sit here and listen and the first hunt that you went on, that you harvested anything, you were by yourself and you get a hog with your gun and then you take a sow with a knife. Like, come on. Are you for real? (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) Oh my God. I will say it was funny. Cause okay. Let me tell you about when we took the dogs out. Okay. Yeah. So they take the dogs out at night. Um, and they basically turn loose and they have a bay dog. They have dogs that bay up the game and then mm-hmm. they have a catch dog, the one that jumps in and catches the, the hog or whatever you're hunting so that you can harvest it. Yeah. So we're walking, we're hiking around in the dark with our headlamps on and the dogs just go. And so we start running after the dogs and they bait up a pig or, you know, a sow or whatever you want to call it, a hog in the swamp. Cause we're in the low country of South mm-hmm. Carolina. So there's alligators and, you know, I'm not thinking about the alligators. Now yeah. I am, I think about the alligators, <laughs> but they bay up this hog in the swamp and the owner of the outfitting companies there, um, cause it's his dogs. And then, um, the guy that's like my personal, like, you know, um, what would you call them? Your personal guide. Yeah. Yeah. My guide. Yeah. Um, the owner says to the guide, he's like, dude, Austin, you're going to have to take one for the team because they bait up and caught the dog in the middle of the swamp. Mm -hmm. And they're both looking at each other. Like, I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go in there. Mm -hmm. And I literally pushed them away. And I said, all right, you sissies, get out of my way. (laughs) And I literally jumped in the swamp with my knife. And meanwhile, I'm not afraid of these hogs because I raise pigs. So I know how to grab them. I know how to handle them. Now, this thing was probably 150 pounds. So it wasn't giant, Mm -hmm. but I push them out of the way. I was like, get out of my way. And I literally grab the hog while this pit bull is trying to get it. I don't even think about that part. And the owner's screaming, watch out for the dog. The dog's going to bite you. (laughs) (laughs) And I pulled the pig out onto like the the side of the swamp into the mud. And the guy's like, let us get the dog. Let us get the dog. You're going to get bit by a dog. And I'm like, I'm trying to get this pig. I don't care about these dogs. So they get the dogs away and I stick the pig one time. And it was a very fast, even you know, easy harvest. I mean, it was was, was one and done. And they look at each other and they were like, where did this chick come from? Mm -hmm. Like where, you know, they knew I had never hunted before and they're like, where did this girl come from? And so, um, 
that was super exciting. And like, I got to hunt with the dogs. I got to harvest, you know, my first hog that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm still trying to chase that. Like I have not been able to do that again. Um, and I am still trying to chase that, um, method of, of hunting. So I'm actually training some dogs right now to be hog dogs because, because it's not very easy to Mm -hmm. walk around and I'm hunting public land. Yeah. I'm, not very easy to hike around for 15 miles a day to find these hogs. They're hard to get. Yeah. Uh, I need some dogs. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, is that, I mean, hogs, and we can talk about it up and down and we have, and other people have, they're invasive and they will ruin your property. They will ruin hunting land. They will ruin farmland. They need to be harvested. So Um, but it sounds like that high, that rush of adrenaline, um, it probably caught you and, and you said, yep, I'm never turning back. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was cool and all like the day, the night before when I got to use my rifle, but, um, being more Mm hands-on and just doing something that I never thought I could do, or I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even know that was a thing until I signed up to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a sense of, it's not just a sense of accomplishment or a sense of pride. There's this thing that happens inside of you, whether you're a man or a woman, where you step outside of what you thought you were capable of, and then you do this. And it's almost like it surprises you just a little. You don't want to ever tell somebody that you're surprised at your ability. But on the inside, I know it kind of happened to me the first time I harvested and I was solo. There's nobody around to be like, yeah, man, like awesome. It's all on the inside. And it's that sense of, did I just do that? I did just do that. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Uh Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I literally cry almost every time Mm -hmm. I harvest. I I cry every time. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm sad. I am just so blown away that I did it. I was capable of doing it. And I don't have any, you know, I had no idea what I was doing up until a year ago when I dove into this. And, And I just, it makes me so proud that like, I could figure this out on my own. And and it's not just about harvesting the animal. After I harvested these animals, I went and watched YouTube videos on how to break them down and like right. how to pack them. And, and it, these animals fed me for a year. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so much more than than just harvesting the animal. Yeah, and each meal you have reminds you of that hunt. I love marking on our packaging after we've processed. I love marking what hunt it was who harvested it and uh and of course what's in it but it's a way to be able to pull it out of the freezer immediately know what hunt it was and you you go back to that day and to those moments of okay who was there was there anybody there who helped butcher out who helped process through so all of those memories surrounding that single harvest comes back every single time you partake in it. So it's a full circle, emotional, physical, mental, all of it put together 
uh, not just on that one day, but it continues on. And, you know, I love that too. And I make it a point to try to make something amazing with that food. Like I never just make a steak. Yeah. Like I will do a stuffed backstrap or I, I try because it was a special moment. I also, I want it to be special all the way through. Yeah. You glorify that meal. Um, Yes. We've got backstrap in the freezer right now. And I the way that I've processed it, I've I've put it on post before, but the way that I package it is very specific to what I have in mind for how it's going to be used. And so some of them are broken down into single meal servings that I know will feed our family of four. And if I've got an idea of, am I going to cube it up for a soup or a stew? Am I going to use it as, like you said, like stuff it and, and roast it or put it on the grill stuffed or just marinated in a yummy marinade. But I've got backstrap right now in the freezer set aside since I harvested back in September that I harvested it's in there and it is saved for Christmas for a Wellington and it's for my whole family and I have been since that deer was harvested I have been looking forward to this Christmas meal that we're going to have not this week but next week I've been so excited about it. So even the looking forward to of that planned meal, it's just something amazing that not a whole lot of people get to feel those feelings about something that they've been able to do. Well, and it's just, it's, the thing is, is it's just such a simple thing that we get so much joy out of. Oh, yeah. Like people just go to the grocery store and get a pack of meat and, you know, add add it to some hamburger helper like it I don't know there is a feeling and I wonder if men do this too or if it's just like a woman thing where we really do try to savor you know Mm -hmm. that whole experience I think it's I think it's both I mean I don't know I I know lots of hunters who um you know, they just stick it in a pan and cook it with some salt and pepper. And that's delicious. And that's great, you know, especially if you're cooking straight from the hunt that night and you're camping out or whatever you're doing, that works. But and that's an experience too, It's a huge know? experience to be able to that night utilize something that you have worked hard for that day. And, but I think that – I think the first venison I ever tasted – was just cooked in a pan. And I thought, well, that's good, right? I mean, I didn't get it because I didn't harvest it. I didn't, um, it was probably overcooked just a little bit because, you know, everybody in my hometown <laughs> at the time just cooked everything well done. So, you know, it it was just meat to me. It was just a, a meal that was slightly different. And now... <laughs> Not only do I respect that meat more because I know where it's come from and I know the hands that have touched it, but I know how to cook it. And yeah. and there's a difference in how I cook it. And I don't think we've had beef in five years. Yeah, I in don't our know house. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So I don't know the last time I actually went out and bought a steak. 
Yeah, I don't think I've done it in a few years. I've eaten steak at other people's houses or at a restaurant or those kind of things. But in our home, I don't think I've bought beef. Um, chicken we've bought and, and, that, and turkey and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's quite um, quite a blessing to have that to pull from whenever you want to. Yeah. And I agree like with sharing it. That's such a cool experience. Like I got to share a lot of that wild hog with, I took it to work. I made mm-hmm. pork to work and the girls were like, this is so good. Like this is better than regular pool pork. And, and just being able to share that with people who don't hunt. I love that aspect too, because up until last year, I wasn't a hunter. I didn't know about what wild boar tasted like. And and, and I love being able to share it. Yeah, I think that sharing a meal with somebody is is also a gateway into respecting hunting. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's why I take so much care and respect into the meals because, I mean, our neighbors, I'll post something and our neighbors are like, wait, you're cooking what? Can we come have a bite? And usually our door is wide open. We it has been different with COVID with how other people feel, but our door has always been a revolving one uh, with people coming through and having a meal. But I think it's such an easy way to introduce non-hunters to hunting. Yeah. Such an easy way. It's like, hey, and you can cook it as simply as you want to. You can make spaghetti. You can make chili. You can make tacos, something that they're familiar with. Um, that creates a safe, um, a safe way in their mind of trying it because it's not something weird. Right. Or like just a big piece of meat. Right. They're seasoned. It's flavorful. And I mean, wrap something in bacon and anybody is usually willing to try it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I know I'm I'm hungry now. It's like morning for us and now I'm starving. Um so where did you go from this hunt? Because Jen, you um, you hunt a lot when you are able I, to. I hunt every day that I now because I work out of town, um, it's very hard for me to try to find time when I'm working. Um but I mean, last year I hunted every day mm-hmm. that I could hunt. Um, I was fortunate. So after I came back from that hunt, I came to my vacation house in South Carolina and hung out for a couple of days. And one of my girlfriends that I met up here said, hey, me and my family are going to go hunt the family farm. Um, they have the crop damage permit so they can really hunt whenever they want to. Right. There's like a lot of rules and they can hunt on, it was a Sunday, I believe. Um, you can't hunt public land on Sundays. So, and that's all. Wait, I really what? Have in South Carolina? Yeah. Whoa. Yep, sun- you cannot hunt on Sundays. So Sunday is hard for me because I can't hunt and it's a perfectly, you know, it's an free open day. day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, you cannot hunt public land on Sundays. And a lot of people want to try to change that, but you know, I don't know if they ever will right. or not it's a very old school state. Everybody are, you know, there's a lot of people that are into the church and um, I think maybe that has something to do with it. Well, you know, Pennsylvania is that you can't hunt at all on Sundays and they just changed it to where there are 
I think they changed it to where it's there's a certain number of Sundays during hunt hunting season that you can hunt now, but it's not every Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Now I think it is like that in Maryland too, but like I said, this this season I actually haven't hunted in Maryland, so I kind of forgot the rules. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure you can't hunt on Sundays. In wow. Maryland. You learn um, something every day. I feel like that's okay. I, that's my little nugget right now. Yeah. So I came back from the hog hunt and my girlfriend was like, come hunt with me and my family. And they have this giant family farm where they grow soybean and, you know, all the crops. And they said, we're going to put you in this stand and we call it the cove and it's a really good stand. And it was like me and my friend, Jamie, her kid, I think one of her, I think her son came, her mother-in-law, her father-in-law, and I think her brother-in-law. So it was a huge family gathering and it was so fun. We're in our, we're all in our stands and we're texting each other and we're, you know, saying what we see and that I don't have a very close family. My, my family, um, when I was raised, when I was young was pretty, it was a pretty tough life. And, um, I don't have that really close knit family. So Mm -hmm. it was cool to feel part of her family. Um, and so I, all of a sudden, like right before it got dark, a young doe walks out and I had a perfect shot on her and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting for a bigger doe to pop out and one never popped out. So I actually took a shot because um, I, you know, they, they want to harvest anything on that farm because it, they do damage their right, crops. Right. Um, so the size doesn't matter. It's, they're not trophy hunting. They really are just trying to protect their crops. So Brown is down. Like yeah. they say, if you see a deer, it needs to go down. <clears throat> so I took a shot and, um, the, the doe dropped in her spot. She didn't really go anywhere. And everyone starts blowing up the text message group. Oh my God, was that you? Did you just get your first deer? <laughs> and so I got my first deer, the, you know, right when I come back from that hog hunt with my friend and her family, which was so cool. Um, so uh, that was like an amazing, like, it's just been so amazing, you know? It's the ability uh, to share it with others, the ability to hear that on the other end of those text messages. Was that you, the encouragement that I feel true hunters have for other people, the joy that they have for somebody harvesting? It's pretty stinking amazing. It is. I mean, it is. And I see that like, even now people still want me, they want to see me succeed. They're like, I'm not out here to hunt. Like, yeah, I want, I want you to be able to do it. I want you to be able to get a deer. And I, I mean, I believe me, I want to get a deer, but I want everybody to do good. Uh-huh. You know, like we all work so hard at this. Um, so we took the deer to the processor cause I wanted like ground beef and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, then we all went out to a family dinner and it was this little rinky dink. And I'm telling you, they have the best wings and the best, these things called raw fries. Um, they took me to this rinky dink, um, uh, gas station. And they're like, Jen, they have the best wings and the best fries. And we <laughs> sit down, everybody's walking in, everybody knows everybody, everybody's in their hunting gear. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting in the middle of this gas station and these raw fries, do you guys have those where you are? I have no idea what they are. Holy moly. I, I love them. They're basically, they look like um, potato chips, like that kind of cut of uh-huh. potato, 
but they fry it. Oh. And we get it called floppy. So it was like a little crispy, but kind of floppy. And you can get it cooked a certain way. Those things are so good. And that was like my first introduction to, to raw fries. But it was cool. We could sit in this gas station and eat dinner and talk about my day and talk about their experience. And it was just, I felt like part of their family. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, I am part of their family. Like yeah. I, they help me so much when I'm here. Okay, Um, I have a quick question for you. And you and I probably have a little bit of the same dynamic of not coming from a hunting family, right? It's, have you noticed this year as you have been hunting, do your close friends and family who knew you beforehand, do they take it seriously that you hunt? Or is it kind of like a... I mean, I don't know how to put this to be kind. I'm just going to say it. So I don't, like the people that have surrounded me my entire life, I do not believe take me as a serious hunter. Huh. And I don't know if it's because I went, you know, 30 something years without hunting. And then all of a sudden, like you, it kind of enveloped my life and it became something that I was passionate about. And so my support, whether it's through my Instagram page or the podcast or whatever, you can tell a difference on me posting something on my private, just close friends and family page to, you know, my hunting community family. There's a difference in the response. And it's not that I'm looking for likes. It's not that I'm looking like, don't hear that. It's the support. It's the, oh, Amy is a serious hunter. It's more like, ah, this might be just a fad that she goes through. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't experienced that. Yeah. Um, I I feel like everyone that I am close to that is not a hunter, they, they're excited for me. Like yeah. they know that I am like crazy now when it comes to hunting. Like if I need to clean my house, that is not happening. Like I'm going hunting or, you know, there, the question, the answer is always I'm going hunting. You know, I, I've even had to kind of figure out like, okay, well, when am I going to fit in fox hunting and riding my horses? And, you know, so I, I now have to categorize like seasons when I can, because because I love it so much, but I don't, I think everybody's really supportive for sure. Well, I don't think, I don't think I am not supported. I think it's more of a, when you put me and my husband next to each other, they still see my husband as more of a hunter than me. Gotcha. And it might be because Uh, he's been doing it longer, or it might just be that, um, and he would agree. He's, I think he would 100% agree that, if you put us side by side, that it would be more of a, well, Chip, Chip's been a hunter. Like he's, he's just, he's a hunter. But if you talked about me, that wouldn't be something that would stand out to them. And it's just been something I've noticed recently. So um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just don't think it's an accepted thing yet for some reason. I just think it's human nature because you guys are a couple, excuse me. And he has been doing it, I guess his whole career so much longer. I think for me, I'm not seeing it because it's just me. Right. You know, I, 
they're they have nobody to say oh well she did this because of her husband right. or her boyfriend or, or whatever you just um, jumped so- in because you wanted to do it dadgummit yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> and I love yeah. that I love that <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it was that was awesome. So I that I got that deer with my um, three hundred blackout, mm-hmm. and then I came home and I bought a bow, and yeah, I was going to bow hunt. I remember <laughs> that. I remember when you were like, "And it's happening." <laughs> yeah, so I went and bought a bow, and um, I bow hunted pretty much every day. And and everyone that I met that was a hunter, because I was given access to property that there were already hunters. So when they first heard there was another hunter, of course, they were mad. And then they meet me and they're like, oh, this chick's cool. And they like become my best friend, you know, Right. and they want to see me succeed. And so they, a lot of them, well, everyone was like, you know, I don't want to see you get discouraged. It takes people years to harvest a deer with their bow. And I said, not me. Like, uh, it's not going to take me years. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a deer this year with my bow. So, and that's like a whole nother experience. Like bow hunting is hard. It is hard. It is really Uh, hard, but it is so rewarding when it comes through. Yeah. Yeah. The closeness, I think it probably would take you back to the difference between shooting a hog and being up close in your hands on. Like there's a difference in harvesting. and. I think that that's why we were talking, I was talking with our wildlife agency about mentoring new hunters coming in and crossbows are actually something that they are finding is easier for people to jump into hunting and stay with it. Because not only are you giving them uh, a tool to use that brings in game closer It's not as scary as a gun if nobody, if they haven't been introduced to a firearm. And at the same time, that closeness of a harvest, being able to see wild game come in and be that close to it, it's just, it's a different experience, archery hunting. Yeah, it really is. Um, It's, I, my, so last year I did harvest a doe with my bow after shooting it for two months Yeah, and I got her, I shot her at 10 yards. And I mean, what's crazy is I passed on that doe for two months because she wasn't, (laughs) I was determined to shoot a buck. I'm so hardheaded. Um, and I actually did, that's another story. Like I actually did shoot a seven point really decent sized buck and the shot was was bad. It was it shot him in his hip, and and I learned about all kinds of stuff with that experience. Mm-hmm. And and um, I cried. I said, I can't believe the shot was bad. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Like I I thought the shot was perfect. That was a fifteen yard shot. And my friend said, go home and shoot your bow because I was I was like I'm never shooting again. Like I'm yeah. not. I, I don't deserve this. And he said, go home and shoot your bow. Figure out what's wrong. Well, what was wrong was my sight was completely knocked loose. Oh, no. It had nothing to do with me actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually the sight was loose and it probably just, it was completely off. And I mean, by loose, I mean, you could jiggle it, the whole thing. Did that make uh, you, I'm glad that he suggested that because you needed to know. 
right? You needed to know why that was off because of the confidence that you felt in your shot. Uh, you needed to know why you missed like that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I was so upset because I thought I was going to, you know, at the right before I took that shot, I was like, this is my buck. Mm -hmm. Seven's my lucky number. Like this is my buck. Yeah. And um, when I, when I, did not take, you know, the shot wasn't great. I was like, you come from this high and then you hit lowest low. And in, in a split second, you feel all of that emotion. Yeah. And it was tough. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I will say archery hunting. I, I think I got every darn emotion that I could possibly get with archery hunting in my first season. Well, isn't that, I think that it's a lesson to us on how to manage our emotions, right? How to process through them and how to not brush them off. Because honestly, there's no ability to brush that off. You have to deal with it in order to keep hunting. Exactly. You really do. And, And not only did I learn about my bow and I need to check my equipment more, I learned how to track. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we, my friend met me out there to see, he said, well, don't worry. There is an artery. Maybe you nick that artery. Do not get off your stand and we will look for blood. So I learned about tracking. I, I mean, I learned about so much, even though it was a mistake. Right. Right. And I think that, I think, mis- of course, mistakes happen. They've happened to me. And I feel that, like, I know that gut-wrenching feeling, but if you don't walk away learning something, then it's a failed hunt. There's a difference right, there's between a mistake in hunting and a failed hunt. And a failed hunt is where you walk away from something from a hunt and you haven't taken something from it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a tough one. That's – ooh, you carry so I, those with you. Yeah. So, so then after like that, I kept passing on that dough and finally it was, it was late season. I think there was like a week left and she, and she came out and I said, you know what? Like this, this is what mother nature is saying. Like Mm -hmm. this, this is my shot. So finally I took a shot at her and, and got to harvest her. And I, and then after I harvest her, um, the last day of the season, I drove out to the Eastern shore to archery hunt in the, in Blackwater Marsh. Um, for sick deer. And um, that was an amazing experience. A lot of people don't know what sicka are, but they're basically a miniature elk. They're about 100, 150 pounds, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I would say probably 120 pounds. And they bugle. And when I started archery hunt, I said, I'm going to go out there and, and sicka hunt. And my guy friends were like, you're not ready for that. Like, that is like, <laughs> you're so once I once actually, again, and I had you were permit. told, no, you probably aren't ready for that. And you go, watch me, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hold my beer. Um, so basically once I harvested that dough, I was like, all right, well, I'm going out there. And it is, I mean, you have to wear waders. You have to wade through the marsh with a walking stick. So you don't fall in these giant holes mm-hmm. with your climber, with your bow. And you've got to get to these little islands where these sick deer are. And meanwhile, there's this fish called a snakehead that have teeth that I love to fish out there. And the whole time I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get bit and attacked by snakeheads? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like out there. And so um, my morning hunt, I didn't see anything and I scouted around and then I was too much of a sissy to walk into those marshes in the, in the morning. 
So my afternoon hunt, I was like, all right, I'm going to hike out and then I'll just have to hike back in, in the dark and I can do this. Yeah. So I hike out there and I find a tree and there's people that have been hunting those sick deer for years and they've never even seen one. And I go out there and I had one at 30 yards and I heard them bugle. And it was the most amazing experience just to even see see them in the distance. And they're in this frag grass. So, I mean, they call them a marsh ghost. You can barely see them. They're the same color as the grass and they're tiny. So you'd see it for a second and then it would be gone. And then you see the grass move and you'd see it for a second and it'd be gone. And you'll hear them bugle in this marsh. And it just gives you chills. I was about to say, did you have goosebumps? It would have given me goosebumps. Yeah. 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 And I couldn't take a shot. Like I didn't have an ethical shot where I knew where I was shooting. And I, you know, I just, I didn't feel comfortable. But I mean, watching the sunset from a pine tree in the middle of the marsh where you, there's no one is, is like an amazing experience in itself. Yeah. Um, and then the thrill of hiking through the marsh and like making sure you don't fall in holes and there's no fish trying to eat your face off. I mean, like there is, it's like a crazy, again, emotional experience. You have the peace and the serenity, and then you have the adrenaline going through this hard land. Right. Um, I hike out and I'm on the main road hiking back to my truck and I just start bawling. I'm crying and I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, I effing did it. I can't believe I just did it. Like, I'm so happy that I just was able to do that by myself on the last day of the hunting season when I didn't even hunt the whole season. And, um, all of a sudden I see this guy pop out of the woods and he's like on a ground stand a ground blind, like right on the road. And he's like, honey, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Are you hurt? (laughs) He like scared me. And I was like, no, I was like, I just hunted the marsh by myself. And I saw a sicka and I was like, I just can't believe I did it. And he looked at me and he's like, there's not many women I've seen out here by themselves. He's Mm -hmm. like, you go girl. And I just kept falling and walking. And I was like, "I, I can't believe I did it. You know? Yeah. Um, so this year was, I was supposed to actually, my goal was to, um, really concentrate on hunting the Eastern shore of Maryland and harvesting a sicka. But, you know, with COVID I had to move to South Carolina. So that unfortunately had to change. Well, I love like everything, every story that I've heard you tell me today from the very beginning to to even just that gentleman right there, it shows, A, the community that we live in have some amazing supporters and encouragers. And I think that we as women especially can come into it with um, – there's a difference in attitude. There's a there's an attitude of, I can do this. Let me be a part of it. I'm excited. It's not the opposite, which is the high horse, you know, don't get in my way. Don't like there's a there's a difference in your attitude going into it and it can be perceived one way or another. And I think that how you as a hunter enter a community can make or break you, right? It can either open doors and it can create this family atmosphere that you keep talking about 
or it can shut us down and it can create a very lonely situation. And I think you've done an excellent job of as a new hunter, creating an open door situation with your community and your hunting family. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's just in life. You need to be open in mm-hmm. order for things to develop and things to, to move forward. And believe me, like, I like to act like I know what I'm doing just because I don't want to look like the newbie, but I'm totally willing to say, yeah, I just started hunting this year. Like yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And if you have any tips, I will gladly listen to you. Yeah. Um, there's definitely an ego where like, you just have to let that go for sure. Yeah. Well, and then there's the part of sometimes you just have to jump in whole body. Sometimes there's not the ability to tiptoe in or wade in. And I, that was me. And I think that's why our hearts <laughs> work well with each other because I appreciate that. I don't hold back. I like to um, – I don't like to tiptoe in. It is all or nothing. And I think that that's where that passion comes from. But I think it's also where the respect for our community comes from. And um, I'm I'm excited for your coming year. We, we kind of talked a little bit about living in the moment. And sometimes I like to hear about future plans. And I know that you know, we have an idea of those and we have kind of that checklist in, in of goals in our head and you've got those, but I love how you live in that moment and you take those moments and hold tight to them. You've got some puppies that are, that are born. You've got these dogs that you're training and I can't wait to see what happens this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, girl, I'm excited too. I don't, I don't even know, but I jumped right into to deer hunting with dogs. And yeah. you know, that's something in Maryland, they don't hunt deer with dogs. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I found moving down here. And, and I've always loved hunting with the hounds with horses. And I never thought that would ever be a possibility for me to have my own pack of hounds. And now this year I have a whole pack of hounds. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you posted the picture of those puppies and dadgummit, I can smell the puppy breath through the pictures. And yeah. it is uh, it is truly exciting. And, and I hope that people continue to follow your journey because it's one to follow. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate your time today. I, we're going to have to do this again because um, – because I feel like there's so much more to say and so much more that we can get into. And so I want to continue it again some other time. Oh, I would love to. Well, just let me in. Tell everybody how they can follow you. Um, so I am on Facebook. My name's Jen Cubbage. Um, Instagram and TikTok. I am always a ponytail. Um and that's really it. <laughs> Good. Well, y'all follow Jen. She's She doesn't hold back. She doesn't give you the Instagram social media version. She's going to give you the real version of herself. And the authenticity behind it is something that um, I find joy in. So keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for being on the Her Wild Outdoors podcast. Oh, thanks, girlfriend. It was so fun. Yes. <laughs>